Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Airline workers in Germany go on a one-day strike over wages. Deal reach for culinary workers in Las Vegas. For Black History Month, today we remember Hattie Canty. And on the show, the Blue Green Alliance and the Iron Workers in West Virginia. Welcome to the Wednesday, February 7th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. We have two guests on the show today. We're going to start things off with Jason Walsh. Haven't had him on the show for probably two to three years. He is still the executive director of the Blue Green Alliance. Website, real simple, bluegreenalliance.org. This is a wonderful organization. Started many years ago with a lot of help from the steelworkers, and their mission is pretty simple. They unite labor unions and environmental organizations to solve today's environmental challenges in ways that create and maintain quality jobs and build a clean, thriving, and equitable economy. Too often, too often, Americans are asked to choose between jobs and the environment, but as we face increasingly severe impacts of environmental challenges like climate change and adapt to an interconnected global economy, we can no longer choose one or the other. We believe we can and we must choose both. And Jason is the right guy. A little background on him. Under his leadership, the Blue-Green Alliance has won significant victories at the state and federal level. This includes landmark industrial policies and investments in infrastructure, climate legislation. Walsh and the Blue-Green Alliance played a central role in getting the historic Inflation Reduction Act across the finish line. And talk about an impressive background. He uh, previously served in the Obama administration as the director of the Office of Strategic Programs in the U.S. Department of Energy's Office of Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy. And one of the things we're going to talk about is an executive report about the impacts, the employment impacts of new U.S. clean energy manufacturing and infrastructure laws. Now, you heard me talk on this show about the good policy that came out of the administration in the first two years. Lately, it has not been very good when it comes to progress, but those first two years were incredible. Millions of jobs created, and uh, what the Blue-Green Alliance did, they uh, partnered with the University of Massachusetts to study that impact. And we're going to talk about that on the show with uh, Jason. Later in the show, we're going to go to uh, Wheeling, West Virginia, and join Kelly Dirks. Kelly is the president and business agent of Iron Workers Local 59. Website is iwlocal549.org. And their jurisdiction is pretty broad. Southeastern Ohio part of West Virginia and actually two counties in Pennsylvania. Now, uh, Kelly 
is a longtime iron worker. He entered the apprenticeship program back in uh, 1989 at 549, graduated four years later, moved to journeyman status, worked his way up in the local as foreman, general foreman, superintendent. And then uh, he became uh, president and business agent. He's been business agent for about uh, almost three years now. We're going to talk about the effects of no prevailing wage and the right to work in West Virginia. I mean, that's that's a very poor state. And lawmakers have just made it poorer by, by going down that road. And there's a couple pieces of legislation that he's going to talk about. Uh, some good, some bad. And uh, we'll see if we can make sure that the bad ones stay away and the good ones get passed. So, Kelly, Kelly Dirks will be joining us to button up the show right here on America's Workforce. Now, a look into the world of labor. The segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, offering fixed income real estate and equity investment options to clients from coast to coast. German union members who work as ground staff for Lufthansa Airlines launched a one-day strike today. The union is calling for a wage increase of uh, 12.5% for the next year, along with a one-time inflation payment of 3,000 euros. What's 3,000 euros? Well, in American dollars, it's just over $3,200. The strike follows weeks of labor actions in Germany among transportation workers. Just last week, airport security staff took part in a one-day strike across 11 airports in Germany, which caused 1,000 flights to be canceled or delayed. And last month, train drivers went on a six-day strike to press for better wages, and truck drivers disrupted traffic to oppose higher toll charges and to demand improvements in road infrastructure. This is in Germany, okay, where unions are a whole lot stronger than they are in the United States. The Nevada Culinary Workers Union, Local 226, which is the union representing thousands of hospitality workers in Las Vegas, called off its Monday morning walkout after reaching tentative agreements with six more hotel casinos in downtown Vegas. Now, the strike would have created work stoppages in several Las Vegas hotels right before the Super Bowl, an event that's expected to bring 330,000 people to the city. In fact, most of them are there right now. So they had to solve this right away, okay? At least they got that tentative deal. Now, the union has not yet reached a contract agreement with Virgin Hotels Las Vegas, but has agreed to extend talks to avert a strike. They anticipate reaching an agreement in the next coming weeks. Now, following the tentative agreements, President Biden met with and congratulated union members at the Vidara Hotel as part of his campaign trail leading up to the uh, Democratic primary in Nevada. Well, in honor of Black History Month this month, America's workforce continues to profile African-Americans who pretty much paved the way for unions and all workers. And you know, when unions win, all workers win. And today, we salute Hattie Canty. Hattie was born near Mobile, Alabama, back in 1933. 
When she moved with her family to Las Vegas in 1972, she felt that the labor movement continued the struggle for racial justice that she'd seen in Alabama, noting that the two were linked. Well, in Nevada, Hattie Kenny began working several jobs as a maid, school janitor, eventually a room attendant on the Las Vegas Strip. She became active in her union, was elected to the executive board of the Culinary Workers Union that was back in 1984, and she became union president in 1990. In fact, she was the first black woman and the first room attendant elected to that position in the Culinary Workers Union. During her tenure, Hattie Canty brought together workers from 84 nations, helped push forward racial justice within the industry and her union, and founded the Culinary Training Academy, which helps people of color obtain better jobs in the hospitality industry. In addition, Hattie served as president of the CWU during the longest strike in U.S. labor history leading the workers at the Frontier Hotel through six and a half years of negotiations for better labor standards. And in closing, she's quoted as saying, anytime I fight for anything in this labor movement, it benefits me in the civil rights movement. Hattie Candy was born in 1933, and she passed away in 2012. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Jason Walsh, executive director of the Blue-Green Alliance, coming up next. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrens. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. Attention members of the Heat and Frost Insulators Union who are interested in traveling. Central Ohio has more construction projects on the books than anywhere in the U.S. Mega projects, large and medium-sized jobs are creating more work than our local 50 brothers and sisters can handle. Projects like Intel, the Honda LG battery plant, and multiple data centers for Facebook, Google and Amazon offer union wages, overtime, and exciting incentives. Local 50 is seeking union travelers to meet the needs of its signatory contractors who can put you to work immediately. If you're a member in good standing and interested in the work opportunities in Central Ohio, visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF travel for more information. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at uaw.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, and, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at IFPTE. 
America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. Now... Back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go to uh, line number one and welcome someone who has not been on the show for a long time. I remember talking to this guy several years ago. His name is Jason Walsh, and he is the executive director of a great organization that is affiliated. Well, they got some help from the steelworkers many, many years ago. The Blue Green Alliance website, real simple, bluegreenalliance.org. And we're talking about creating good jobs, a clean environment, and a fair and thriving economy. Real simple, real simple. But you know what? Those simple things are sometimes hard to accomplish. And Jason is going to talk about that and more. Jason, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us today. And before we uh, get going into uh, some of the details on that clean environment and a thriving economy, give me a little background on yourself and um, and how the Blue-Green Alliance started. Go ahead, my brother. Uh, thank you, sir. Great to be here. Great to be with you again after a couple of years. Um, background on myself, uh, I'm old. So this could take a while. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it short. Uh, uh, done a lot of different things right out of school. Did some union organizing with both SEIU, nursing home workers, uh, and the old uh, Unite, uh, trying to organize garment workers. And then moved from there, uh, ran an anti-poverty coalition in Minnesota for a number of years did a, a bunch of coalition work, uh, and then in the mid-aughts uh, started to hear about something called green jobs <laughs> um, when, when that term first started getting used, uh, and uh, got connected uh, ultimately to the Blue-Green Alliance, did a, a first tour uh, with BGA as their policy director in 2010-2011, in Joined the Obama administration for about five years, uh, worked in both the Department of Energy and, and in the White House. Uh, left in January uh, 27, 17, when, when we weren't welcome any longer. Uh, and then I, I had, had the privilege of, of taking over uh, as executive director of Blue Green Alliance in, 20, uh, in 2019. And I've been running uh, our coalition uh, since then. It is a heck of a coalition, and you've got a heck of a history here. And we should point out, too, that uh, Jason was named one of Washington, D.C.'s 500 most influential people by Washingtonian magazine. So uh, that's quite an accomplishment there. And it's pretty cool to be in, you know, in a in the White House in an administration like the Obama administration. I'm sure we could do a whole show on that. But let's get into uh, what's going on in the world of our economy here specifically and the policies that have come out of the current administration. We're talking federal investments, good federal investment, first two years of the administration, bipartisan infrastructure law, Inflation Reduction Act, Chips and Science Act. Now with the Blue Green Alliance, I know you paid very, very close attention to this policy and more importantly than anything, 
how that policy has transformed into good jobs. And it's important that we kind of connect the dots. So talk to me about that. Let's start right there, Jason. Go ahead. Yeah, a great, a great question. Uh, yes. Uh, so we, we did a, a, a bunch of work on the legislation, now laws that you just uh, mentioned and worked particularly closely with uh, the, the Biden administration and members of Congress uh, on particular provisions and particular programs within those laws. Uh, and, and you're right. I mean, you hit it on the head. For us, we, we, we are uh, tr- trying to en- enable a transition to a clean energy economy but not just any clean energy economy. We, 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 we want a high road clean energy economy, right? one that is worker and community centered that results in more union jobs and less pollution and, and that, that builds a more equitable just society. Um, and the, the, the laws you just mentioned, the, the bipartisan infrastructure law, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act and CHIPS give us the resources and tools to, to do that, uh, but we got to implement it well, and we're doing a lot of work on that right now. Yeah, yeah, especially when it comes to making sure those are good union jobs. And I know a lot of the policy, that good policy we just talked about, went to states in the South where it's not very easy to organize. And uh, mm-hmm. obviously, <laughs> that that's an issue in itself. How does the Blue-Green Alliance unite everybody on these policies? I think that's, that's where I want to go with this one. It's, it's important. It's, you have a specific task. Tell me what that's all about. Yeah. So, and, and to answer that question, I'm, I'm going to have to give you a little, little history. So, so sure. we, we, we were formed as a coalition initially by our two original odd bedfellows, the, the Steelworkers Union uh, led at the time by Leo Gerard, uh, and the Sierra Club, uh, led at the time by Carl Pope. Uh, this was back in 2006 when, when they formed the Blue Green Alliance. And the, the founding principle uh, that they, they built off of remains our, our guiding principle today, which is a core belief that we shouldn't have to choose between good jobs and a clean environment, that we can and must have both. And we have worked... Uh, ever since uh, that that formation year, to, to build out our coalition, we, we now represent 14 national labor unions and environmental organizations who, who uh, represent roughly 15 million uh, members uh, and, and volunteers. And we, uh, yeah, we do a lot of the hard work of... Uh, aligning the labor movement and the, and the environmental movement, understanding that, that, that those movements have much more in common uh, than not. And we have been uh, fortunate over the last several years to, to be working uh, in, in pretty strong partnership with, with President Biden and his administration, because when the president talks about uh, climate action, meaning union jobs, that's, that's what we live in brief. Um, yeah. And, 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 and that's, that's where we need to move this. Now, there's a number of people out there, and I want to get into climate change. We hear a whole lot about that in the media. But there's a lot of people out there that, well, they don't believe in that, number one. They still want to drill, drill, drill. I, I understand that. And there's many unions that are still of that opinion because, obviously, these are good-paying jobs. <laughs> Again, this is not yep. easy. How how do you navigate yep. that? That that's got to be a tough road to hoe. 
it is. Uh, and the, the, the key, because uh, you're right. I mean, we have, uh, I mean, we, we have union partners who, whose membership uh, gets family-supporting wages and benefits uh, out of parts of the fossil fuel economy. The only way it works is if um, the jobs in the clean energy economy are, are as good uh, or, or better <laughs> uh, and more plentiful uh, mm-hmm. than the jobs in the fossil economy. And honestly, it's been a long road, uh, and, and we're still on it. Um, but if you compare, you know, just median wages, right, in some of the fastest-growing uh, clean energy sectors like solar and, and wind, the, the, the average wages are just lower, right, than, than in, in, for example, fossil fuel electric power generation. And that's a gap we're going to have to close, and I think we've got some tools, particularly the Inflation Reduction Act, to close it. But, but that's the key, um, because in, 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 until we close that gap, we, 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 you know, we, we can't ask our labor partners to, to support this transition. And we've worked really, really hard over the last several years to be, able to be in the position we're in right now to create good union jobs in the clean energy economy. When you say solar and wind are not paying as much, is that because most of those jobs are not union? Is that the reason? I, 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 it, it's, a, it's a mixed picture, and, and unfortunately there, there's a bunch of different data out there. Um, I, I think that's a, that's a big part of it, certainly. Um, uh, it's also because these are newer industries. There, there are a bunch of reasons, but b- bottom line, uh, these workers n- need to be paid family supporting wages and they need job security. They need job quality and the best pathway to getting those things is to be part of a union. And Jason, by the way, we're speaking with Jason Walsh, who is the executive director of the blue green Alliance the website is bluegreenalliance.org. When we're talking about the fossil fuel jobs and solar and wind power, um, correct me if I'm wrong, because I've been reading some data over the years. There's actually more jobs today in alternative energy, in solar and wind. Is that pretty much the case? And if it is, is that going to continue? I, it depends on, on what you count, right? But uh, the, 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 what the data shows is that the, the fastest job growth has been in renewable energy sectors, and it's been uh, much faster than in fossil sectors. And certainly all the projections are that that trend will continue and accelerate, particularly with the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, in fact, we we did uh, some analysis with with the Political Economy Research Institute, which is which is based at UMass. It's a bunch of economists there to just estimate the number of jobs that would be created by the the three big historic industrial policies that were mm-hmm. passed in the 117th Congress, right? Which is IRA, chips, uh, and and bill. And the their estimate is. We're, we're looking at uh, job creation of roughly 3 million uh, jobs a year uh, over the course of those investments, which is a huge number. I mean, that, that represents close to 2% of the total U.S. workforce. And excitingly, it, it's going to be, a, uh, I mean, it's going to be a lot of jobs in, in construction and, and manufacturing and transportation and utilities. I mean, 
what this what this transition is fundamentally about is making and building a lot of new stuff, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and you're going to need a, a a lot of workers in in sectors like construction and manufacturing to make that happen. Um, but we have a couple of challenges. We got to get more workers into those sectors uh, and different kinds of workers into those sectors, and we got to make sure those are those those jobs are good jobs. You got it. And union jobs. Yeah, I have that report. Thank you for sending me a link to it. And that report, by the way, is Employment Impacts of New U.S. Clean Energy Manufacturing and Infrastructure Laws. Again, the takeaway on that, what Jason just talked about, 3 million jobs per year and 19 million job years over their lifetime. That's a lot. And Jason, I want to tear this report apart. So stay with us. Jason Walsh joining us in our live line. He is the executive director of the Blue Green Alliance. Again, that website, bluegreenalliance.org. We'll be back right after this. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AF. FGE.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at USW.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com to learn more. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Iron Workers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. Let's go back to our live line and rejoin Jason Walsh. Jason is the executive director of the Blue Green Alliance, bluegreenalliance.org. If you go to the uh, website's homepage, you can read about creating good jobs, a clean environment, and a fair and thriving economy. That's what we want. We want jobs, clean jobs. We want infrastructure, a clean infrastructure 
And with all of that, we want some fair trade. You know, put that into the whole mix here. And good things are happening. And let's talk about some of that policy. We touched on that. And I want to reference that report we just wrapped up on, and that was the employment impacts of new U.S. clean energy manufacturing and infrastructure laws. Again, if you're just joining us, we're talking 3 million jobs per year, 19 million job years over the lifetime. And uh, can you uh, kind of break this down? I guess all sectors here, construction, manufacturing, transportation, warehousing, utilities, all those sectors are showing growth in the years ahead. Can you, uh, can you run down some of this, for Jason, for our listeners? Yeah, ha- happy to. Uh, and, and you just ticked off uh, the biggest growth sectors. Uh, con- construction gets, gets the biggest. Uh, we're projecting 4% growth overall uh, relative to 2021, and, and that's almost a half a million jobs annually. Uh, manufacturing at 3% growth. Uh, at, at roughly 336,000 jobs annually. Transportation warehousing, uh, 2% growth, a uh, little over a quarter million jobs annually. And a, a common denominator of, of these jobs, a disproportionate number of them uh, are uh, going to be accessible to workers without a four-year college degree, um, which is really important, right? Because uh, right. without, a, without a four-year college degree, sometimes it's used as a proxy for these are working class folks, right? And as you know, as your listeners know, these are the folks who have been on the hurting end of bad policy and bad economic trends for several decades. And mm-hmm. and the, the decline of job quality for workers without uh, a four-year college degree and the kind of decline of jobs, of decent jobs for those folks has, has been a major driver of income inequality in this country. Now we have a set of investments that, that is actually targeted at those folks. And, and that's pretty damn exciting. <laughs> um, but to, 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 make, to, to actually make that uh, real, we got to make sure there are accessible pathways uh, into these jobs. And we got to make sure these jobs are union uh, so that they uh, aren't just jobs, they're careers that, that uh, can, can be middle class careers and support a family. Well, we've been hitting it pretty hard, especially with construction here. We have a lot of trades that take part in America's workforce. You're probably aware of what's going on in central Ohio. Oh, my God. Talk about a boom there. You've got uh, the Intel plant, and there's several Intel plants around the country. And, you know, you could trace that to the CHIPS Act, the Chips and Science Act. And then you've got um, Apple. we got Google. we got Facebook. It, like central Ohio is becoming kind of like a new Silicon Valley area. And I want to get into to workforce development here because <laughs> you know what scares me, and it probably scares you too a bit. And I've talked to a number of trades about this. They're saying, you know, we've got a lot of work. In central Ohio, they're looking at 20, 25 years out. And we're not cranking out enough people, especially in the high schools, to, you know, say, okay, wait, maybe, maybe not go to college, but get into the apprenticeship program or maybe find – something in manufacturing because the jobs are there. How's the uh, blue green Alliance handling that right now? Because uh, we want to make sure we connect everybody with these jobs. So yep. what's your answer to that? Yep. Um, I, let me, let me first, if, if you don't mind, just comment on, on the examples you gave from Ohio, right. Of Intel and, and other places, all, all of those investments, all of them, the big ones, uh, have have been uh, driven by 
uh, federal investments in federal policy under the leadership of President Biden. Uh, I, I think it's really important to just note that, right? We're, what we're talking about here is uh, the Biden administration's industrial policy, right? And, and, and what that means is that uh, this administration, with help from, from Congress, or at least Democrats in Congress, has uh, invested in uh, economic sectors that are uh, of strategic importance uh, to, to the United States and its people, not to mention the fate of the planet, uh, but are also attaching conditions to those taxpayer dollars to make sure that we're maximizing the public benefits, the worker benefits, the community benefits of those investments. Um, but it all, it all starts with that targeted industrial policy, which is really, really important that we communicate to folks. You're right that the workforce development challenge here is enormous. Um, I mean, the bottom line is that businesses are going to need to recruit, train, and retain hundreds of thousands of workers over the next decade as we make this transition. And yet we are currently experiencing pretty low unemployment rates, effectively zero in some sectors in some parts of the country. And much of the investment, as we've just talked about from these laws, flows into sectors like manufacturing, construction, utilities, where labor markets are incredibly tight, where shortages already exist, and where the current workforce is aging, right? Currently, one in four manufacturing workers, one in five construction workers are age 55 or older. And it's an incumbent workforce that's also disproportionately white and male. So, look, we're not going to be able to, 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 to make, build, and repower our way to a clean energy economy or create a workforce that, that looks more like America unless we bring to bear really intentional workforce strategies and the public investments to support them. I think for your listeners uh, and, and for all the companies out there, what, the message we need to be delivering is that unions can be they're the, the, the most important partner that a company has in executing workforce development strategies, right? They recruit and train workers all the time. They do it on a sector-by-sector -sector basis. They run or partner with some of the best occupational skills training programs in the country. They only train workers when there's defined employer demand, right, as opposed mm -hmm. to train the train and pray. And, and they only train people to industry-recognized credentials, right? Furthermore, and this is key, <laughs> They also play an essential role in retaining workers through collective bargaining for family supporting wages and benefits. It's not enough, as you know well, for companies to train workers for a job. They have to keep them. And job quality translates into worker retention. How are we doing in Washington now? And you know, you probably want to stay away from that place because it can get pretty ugly. These policies happened in the first couple of years of the Biden administration, and they seem to have halted because of the uh, political gamesmanship that's going on right now. And in a way that might be a good thing. I, I hate to say that, but because of what you just said, we got to do some catch up here. We got to train these workers for the next generation or the next two generations. But here's my other concern. And, and you never know what's going to happen politically. Uh, we've got momentum right now. You know that I know that people listening to the show know that. Uh, we have to continue that momentum nonetheless. We've got an expanding population. We've got a lot of need out there. People have to have high wages today in order to have a, you know, to support their family. I mean, that's what it's yeah. all about. But uh, and, and well, for, number one, do you deal with the, with Congress on issues like this to explain what's going on and what needs to be done? I'm just wondering if that happens with the Blue Green Alliance. 
Yeah, we work with Congress all the time. And as you just suggested, uh, unfortunately, in, in the House of Representatives, uh, they seem much more interested in, in political theater <laughs> right right now uh, than in passing policies that actually improve. Uh, so, so they're focused on impeachment uh, for very suspect politicized reasons uh, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 there's a lot of the people's business that needs to get done that's not that but um, we do communicate with them we work with them all the time um, we, we work with them on a, on a day-to-day basis I, I will say for, for everything that we got across the finish line in, in a democratically controlled Congress uh, in, in 2021 and 2022 uh, there's there's still work to do, uh, and 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 it includes work on workforce development policy. I mean, one of the things we were not able to really include in any substantial way uh, in the Inflation Reduction Act, for example, was a significant set of resources for things like publicly funded career technical education uh, that goes into to, to the high schools. You just you you were just talking about that. Um, mm-hmm. Our our publicly funded workforce development system, right? One stop centers and workforce development boards. So, so there, so there, there are more resources that need to be put out there. I, I do think, you know, kind of leaving, leaving aside the, the capital for a moment. I mean, I, I think there's a cultural shift that we have to make here. Um, I mean, we've spent a, a couple of generations now telling our kids uh, that, that the, the only pathway to, to, to the middle class is a four year college degree. And look, a four-year college degree is really important, but it's not the only pathway. And in fact, mm-hmm. uh, some some of the best careers out there that are um, going to be <laughs> where employers are going to be looking for lots of workers uh, are, are are welders and machinists and electricians. Um, so we're going to have to get that word out. Um, and it's and it's not just policymakers talking about that. It's, it's got to be all of us. I think we've spent a long time kind of dumping on blue collar work and disrespecting blue collar work and we need to lift it up and and particularly in this moment, right? Where we're trying to fundamentally change the way in which we generate energy and the way in which we build infrastructure. Um, I mean, it's kind of exciting, (laughs) right? I mean, you know, those welders, those electricians, those, those machinists that they're making and building stuff that that's really all about whether or not we can have a livable climate. Uh, for for our our kids and our grandkids, and yeah. And, yeah. and so this is this is kind of an exciting national project that that we're in the middle of, and it's going to be it's going to be blue collar workers who are driving. Yep, yep. That blue collar is okay, and in many cases, and you know this, Jason, you're making more money as a blue collar worker than a college grad today. That is a fact. Yeah, you you're not, that, and huh? you're not in debt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Very good point to leave on. Oh, what a great conversation. Thank you so much. Long overdue, my brother. Let's let's keep on this. Let's let's keep this train rolling here. This is good stuff. Jason Walsh, executive director of the Blue Green Alliance, bluegreenalliance.org. You take care and please stay in touch, okay? Thank you, brother. All right, we're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, we're going to link up with Kelly Dirks. Kelly is president and business agent of Ironworkers Local 549 in Wheeling, West Virginia. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. 
Over 70,000 public employees are part of LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylights and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at CWA-Union.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at Teamster.org. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit SurveyAndBalladSystems.com to learn more. This portion of the show brought to you by the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craftworkers. For more information, please visit BACWeb.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, and, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment is brought to you by Blue Cross and Blue Shield's National Labor Office. Blue Cross and Blue Shield companies formed out of a need to provide affordable health care to teachers, loggers, and miners. Well, in 1965, the Blues developed the National Labor Office to strengthen its commitment to organized labor. Today, Blue Cross and Blue Shield's National Labor Office remains focused on America's workers advocating for affordable and equitable health care, partnering with strategic alliances to provide industry-leading products and services, and proudly serving more than 18 million unionized workers, retirees, and their families. Yes, working hard for America's working families for the health of America. You can learn more 
by following them at Blue Labor on LinkedIn and X, formerly known as Twitter. All right, let's go to a line number two right now and bring back to the show. We checked in with this guy. I want to say maybe it was uh, earlier last year. Kelly Dirks is his name. He's a business agent and president of Iron Workers Local 549, which is headquartered in Wheeling, West Virginia. Tough state for unions, no prevailing wage, and right to work. Kelly Dirks, welcome back to America's Workforce. How are we doing today, my brother? Great, class. I'm glad to be back with you. And talk to me, uh, where are you now with uh, with membership at 549? And also, I guess your jurisdiction goes, uh, what, into parts of Ohio and Pennsylvania? Is that right? That is correct. We're, we're running around 360 uh, with uh, journeyman uh, active members. And, um, yeah, we, we cover six counties in Ohio, the southeastern part of Ohio, and uh, two counties over in PA, and uh, about 13 counties in West Virginia. We got a big area. Yeah, yeah, you do. And, and how's the work been for uh, local five forty nine? It's been steady. I mean, I would have took a little bit more. Uh, we we see a lot of projects coming, a uh, lot of bridge work with this infrastructure bill that the that the uh, bipartisan with President Biden getting that signed. We love that uh, program. We're building a lot of bridges in West Virginia. We have a lot of bridges out there in West Virginia. Uh, we're looking at about maybe 200 in the next two or three years to build. Um, and in Ohio, we're on bridges right now in Ohio. It's helping us out a lot. Kelly, let me ask you this. We just got off the phone with uh, the Blue Green Alliance, Jason Walsh, and we were talking about the, the policies that came out of the Biden administration in the first years. And you just mentioned infrastructure. That was one of four really, really good pieces of legislation. And uh, it, it seems like a lot of people don't realize that a lot of the jobs that are being created came out of this administration. What what is what's the story in West Virginia? Do people understand that? Well, I mean, people in your local and the people that that, you you know, the, the area that you work in. Yeah, so we try to educate them. I, I don't know what it, the culture is nowadays, but you know we're we're divided in our local on how, how a Republican Democrat. But you know they got to understand that you know these bridges didn't come out because of any uh, Republican sponsored legislation or the chips bill. We got a, a battery plant in Weirton, West Virginia, getting built. You know we got a data center down in Hannibal, Ohio, that's getting expanded. Uh, every day so these things come from them legislation that the biden administration put forward and got passed and we're so thankful for it our members you know uh it's just a hard you know you you, we explained it to them explained it to them but they have to make up their own minds when it comes to voting in a uh, general uh, election and we know our friend has been joe biden there you go and when it comes to right to work, wasn't uh, your governor, I don't know if he's still governor over there, he, he said, well, we, we, we went right to work, the jobs were supposed to come, we're supposed to create more, but that didn't happen. Uh, but at the same time, they're not trying to reverse it, are they? No. You know, we have really, uh, in the last two cycles, been working with the Republicans on educating them, and they are slowly but surely coming around and, and working for the working people of West Virginia. I mean, we've made huge strides, at least in the House. The Senate seems to be a little bit tougher, not to crack, but uh, 
we, we do have some friends uh, down there. It's helping us out tremendously, and, and they understand what the needs of uh, working people in West Virginia. And no matter what party we work with, that's what we're trying to do, educate them on the, the benefits of having uh, – Local labor, do your projects in your state instead of them dollars going out after they build them. Yeah, that's where prevailing wage comes in. All right. I understand there's a couple of pieces of legislation. I'm looking at, uh, looks like four of them here. Some good, some bad. Let's start off with a good one here. Um, House Bill 5200. What's one? What's that all about? Yeah, so this this is, came about over in Ohio. They did the same thing. We're looking to do it in West Virginia. It requires a public school count, uh, guidance counselor to gauge with the trades uh, apprentice program as a continued education condition of employment. So they're going to have to – these uh, counselors who are not pushing enough people into the building trades, which we got, we got a huge need for, and they don't see the benefits because they've all come through college. So we, we need to train them uh, to educate our guidance counselors, hey – the trades have a lot to offer, great benefits, great retirement, and, and great uh, great living wages. And, and you need to have these students look at that option coming out of high school. You know, that, that's a common sense thing, and that's how it, things used to be run. But now you have to legislate common sense, it seems like. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, let, let, let's move on to uh, what's the Senate Bill 156. Explain that one okay. to us. Yeah, Senate Bill 156 is bad. They, uh, these are the rich people that want to conceal public construction payroll documents from the public view and make it easier for unauthorized workers to operate in, in the state of West Virginia. So they they don't want – this would be – if I'm trying to get certified payroll on a, uh, would say, a Davis-Bacon prevailing wage job, uh, th- this would be blocked. Uh, you can't get, couldn't get these records. They want to be able to misclassify. It's always about misclassifying the worker. You know that in in Davis Bacon they have to be classified, and and they want to misclassify or hide them all together. So this bad is, is super bad, and, and they've run it every year, and we've been able to block it. We we think it's got it. We got it in the committee that that uh, that will uh, let it die there, and we're hoping that's the case. So this is not their first rodeo. They've, they've been trying to get this for a couple couple of legislative sessions then? Eight. Eight? Oh, wow. They, they don't give up. They don't give no. up. Well, let's this just keep is, it in committee. This playbook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we deal with that in the state of Ohio. You got a couple of lawmakers that keep introducing right to work, and I, they're, just, they're just preaching to their, their, their donors there. And it, they typically die in committee, but that's because of the trades going down to the state capitol and said, not a good idea. Not a good idea. Uh, let's move on to, uh, this is a House bill, 5424. What's this one? So there's two of them. They're, uh, they're both about unemployment cuts. So the, in the state of West Virginia, the unemployment is so overfunded, it's unbelievable. But they they keep introducing. They want to cut uh, benefits down to 12 weeks, uh, and and then they introduced it. Well, that wasn't going to run real well, so they introduced it to go down to 20 weeks. Right now, it's 26 weeks, and uh, they they think they're they they're going to get these people off the couch. That 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 they're not getting benefits. These people that's on the couch uh, haven't worked enough to get unemployment benefits. What this hurts is your seasonal workers in the trades you know we don't work all the time because of the weather you know right. some 
some people pave roads. Uh, we set steel. You know, it, 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 sometimes we're not setting it in the middle of winter, and we have you know two months off or three months off, and that that just hurts uh, working families. We we rely on them benefits to get us through, so we can pay our mortgages, so we can pay a college tuition if we got kids in college. These are issues that that they're hurting uh, the workers of West Virginia on, and they've run this thing about five years in a row. Yeah, there's this perception out there when you go on unemployment, you stay on unemployment. But you know what? It runs out. There's there's a time limit on. Now, you said it's currently at 26 weeks and they want to eventually take it down to 12. Did I hear that right? That was one of the bills. And then they didn't think they could get it passed. So they, they're chipping away. They want to chip away at it. So they, they introduce another bill for 20 weeks. So their goal is to, to chip you down every year until they get you to 12. But we've got, got it you. in a good committee in the house, we think it's going to die there with any luck. Uh, we killed it last year in, a, in another committee, and these are because we did our due diligence with the with our Republican partners uh, with uh, within the trades. We have good members uh, in the Republican Party that understand the trades, and they help us on these bad bills. Now, did you say that the the system was overfunded? They they have plenty of money, but they're still doing this. Oh, they're so overfunded, you know. So, Kelly, it sounds like they're trying to correct something that's not even a problem there with the uh, with the unemployment system and as far as the funding of it. So right now, uh, are we in a legislative session? Did that start already? What, what's the what's the timetable here? Yeah, we're in the legislative session right now. So it, it currently goes here for another couple more weeks. So uh, we were monitoring it day by day, and we get briefs on it from the state building trades to our uh, different crafts that they send out. And we uh, we do uh, phone calls into our representatives. From we use our apprentices, we use our journeymen to to put the heat on them when we see something that's bad, and we want to make sure that they understand we're against it. There you go. You got to be very vocal on these things, especially if they hurt workers. I mean, all workers. Wow, that's a tough state. Like I said, got a right to work state and a state that doesn't believe in prevailing wage. So you hang in there, my friend. Kelly Dirks, who is the business agent and president of Local 549, Ironworkers Local 549, the website IWLocal549.org. You stay in touch with us, stay safe and stay strong. Okay, my friend? Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to check in with the Insulators Local 50. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.